0: Deconstruction and reconstruction. Those are two words we hear chattered about quite a bit in recent years in Christian circles, and particularly maybe evangelical circles. What do they really mean? Sometimes words get used so often they sort of get lost in the shuffle. But basically, deconstruction is a word that says, I kind of stopped believing some of the things I used to believe. As a Christian, and now I'm starting to not believe a whole bunch of things that I didn't believe. It's I always call it the string in the sweater that you pull and just a little bit comes and then it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. You say, Hey, if that's not true, then what else have I been told that wasn't true? And suddenly you find yourself deconstructing a whole lot of beliefs. Reconstruction is a term a lot of us use to say, okay, I am believing differently in a lot of areas of my Christian faith, but I don't want to leave my Christian faith or even my spirituality behind completely. And so, if I'm leaving one thing behind or tearing it down, perhaps emotionally and spiritually, what am I building to replace it so I don't just leave a big gaping hole where a bomb went off inside my spirit. My next guest deals with those topics expertly. Uh, A Christian school graduate, somebody very active in church all her life, Rachel Spears, known as, you know that one girl, Rachel, on TikTok has a great story to tell of her own journey of deconstruction and reconstruction and I'm looking forward to talking to her about that in this podcast today and it will be a journey that might be familiar to a lot of you and to some of you who haven't entered that journey yet it might sound a little heretical But that's kind of part of the process. So I hope you'll enjoy this podcast. I want to invite you, as you hear this podcast, to think about being a part of helping financially support the message and the work of the nonpartisan evangelical and of me, Pastor Paul. We don't pass a plate and take up tithes and offerings. I don't ask for big donors to support what I do. I offer subscriptions to people through our nonpartisan evangelical Patreon community. We're going to be revamping this thing in the in the next couple of months, and I'm really excited about what it's going to look like, but I would love for you to jump in now, and here's what I'm offering, and I'll tell you more about this in just a bit. But when you support the nonpartisan evangelical, it's not you give and get a tax deduction. In fact, this is a for-profit company, so you're not going to get a tax deduction at all. But what you will get is some cool stuff. And for just $5.99 a month, you get access to our audiobook for my novel, Joseph Comes to Town. Like I said, I'll tell you more about that in just a bit at the midpoint of this podcast. And you'll get to be a part of our nonpartisan evangelical private Facebook group where I do a lot of commentary and posting of things I don't do out to the public. And other people share those commentaries together. You'll love being a part of that group. And when you go to my Patreon page, you can see there are other levels where you can get an autographed copy of my novel or a lot of other cool things that can happen when you're a part of that group, even up to the $100 a month level if you can go that far where you'll get a one-on-one with me every month. Would you go check it out? Go to pastor-paul.com. That'll take you to my podcast website, and then go in the upper right-hand corner and click on that Join the Patreon Community button, and it'll guide you from there. If you're on a device, you don't have that Join My Patreon button, so you'll have to go to the Patreon site itself. If you're going on your iPhone or your Android or your iPad, then you need to type in Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash NPE podcast. That's the nonpartisan evangelical NPE podcast. So the whole thing again is patreon.com slash NPE podcast. That'll take you to the Patreon community. And I would love it if you would join and help us continue to create all this content of unique conversations about God and about shifting mindsets and starting a movement in our region state, and country. Would you be a part of it? I'd love it if you did. Now, here's my new good friend, Rachel Spears. You know that one girl, Rachel, on TikTok, here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at pastor-paul.com.
1: For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the nonpartisan evangelical podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed.
0: What knucklehead, mush-for-brains evangelical leaders are trying to to uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb in calling yourself a Christian.
1: Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com.
0: All right, glad you're with us on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I'm Paul swearingen with you and have a great guest to further our conversation of better conversations in the evangelical world about politics and the church and who Jesus is and God not being mad at you. So Rachel Spears is with me today and Rachel is, I seem to get, be getting a lot of guests from TikTok these days because <laughs> there's so many incredibly creative brilliant people on there. And this is definitely one of my favorites. You know that one girl, Rachel, is her TikTok moniker. And she's got a new podcast coming up she's going to tell us about. So Rachel Spears, welcome to the podcast. And I'm excited to to get to talk to you today. And my first question is like, are you okay? I see your your, your TikToks all the time. And it seems like there's a lot of people pushing against you, and so I just want to say, are you okay?
1: Hi. First of all, thank you so much for having me. And second, yes, I am okay. I am. I get a lot of pushback, but we're good.
0: It's part of the gig, isn't it? It is. Days? It its So tell us about you. You uh, you, have traditional Christian family, growing up Christian school, Liberty University, Christian <laughs> college, worship leader. That is the typical uh, a Christian growth story. And so, how did you end up being, you know, that one girl, Rachel, who's now kind of saying, hey, church, are we doing this all right?
1: Yeah, I um, I grew up in a huge, at the time, a huge uh, independent Baptist church. You know, there were no mega churches back then. So, we had a few thousand people and that was a big church and it had a radio show and it had a TV show. And um. We all went to Christian high school, and then we all went to Liberty University. And so, I kind of just not necessarily played the part because I enjoyed every bit of it, but people didn't ask a lot of questions. And so, I graduated from college, and I got into the ministry as a worship leader, and I went to a, a pretty progressive church. But I remember getting pushback the first couple of times I questioned something, and I don't like I don't like when people don't want to answer my questions. <laughs> and so, I kind of started pushing more. And I've always been willing to go against the grain, but I never felt like I had to with the church. That so I wasn't—I wasn't asking enough questions, and I realized that the minute I started doing that, that they really didn't like it. Um, and having the the degree I have, I know it wasn't a theological thing. I know it wasn't the Bible. It was what the church was saying, and I started to find myself at odds with the church, and my TikTok and my podcast and my blog and the things I'm doing now is about staying within my faith while pushing back on the church and not losing my faith, because it's really tempting when you're coming against the church to be like, you know what, I'm just done
0: with all of this. Talk more about that, the difference between theological issues and the church. What do you mean by that? Tell me more.
1: I mean, like I wasn't pushing back on something that was being preached from the Bible. It was more them saying, this is how we do things, or this is what's acceptable. And I was saying, but that's not, we're not talking about a biblical thing. We're talking about what? We're talking about your preference, the pastor's preference, or tradition's preference of the church, and that's not actually a biblical thing. So, something like women In the church, and a lot of times people would be like, "Well, this is what the Bible says." I'm like, "Yeah, maybe you forgot that I studied this (laughs) on a a collegiate level. Like, I I know what it says as well. That or you know, we weren't very when I was growing up. It was very modest and those kind of things. Well, where that come from, and the pressure that we put on girls and growing up. And I grew up in the my teen years in the 90s into the early 2000s, so purity culture, and I started pushing back on those kind of things that aren't biblical or theological issues, but church issues.
0: And we've made them biblical, though, haven't we?
1: Pretended them to be, I think, (laughs) biblical, (laughs) or just taken scripture and and do what humans do and twist it to to kind of fit the narrative.
0: Yeah, so uh, how do you... And this is probably a little bit off track from where I was going, but so how, having your degree and knowing the Bible as you do, how do you then interpret the scripture? I, I usually sort of in a snarky way ask people like, "How do you decide what parts of the Bible are important and which ones you get to ignore?" Right. Um, how do how do you interpret the Bible and what's pertinent for us today, and and maybe what's something different?
1: Um, I definitely believe that uh, Jesus fulfilled the law, and so. When we read the Old Testament, I I do it more like a story um, because I don't believe we're under that law anymore. And there's some beautiful parts of the Old Testament, so I don't wow. want to just throw it away. Um, there are really beautiful parts, but I read ab- in the New Testament about about our lives and about… Jesus dying on the cross like that's the application part for me and I know that that's where it gets hard because people like to be like well have you ever read Leviticus and I'm like unfortunately I have (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anybody that reads it willingly and joyfully but so I try to uh, apply the bible there's this new term that's being a a biblian rather than a Christian Mm. and I think that that's a really good thing that we're kind of uncovering here is that there are people so devoted to the scriptures that they are missing where the scriptures were talking to a certain church at a certain time or a certain country at a certain time and they're not laws for us now and that the, the whole of the gospel is the gospel, it's Jesus.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that and that's, I, I, I say often these days now, Paul has to agree with Jesus, not vice versa. And if Paul says something that isn't how Jesus treated humanity, then I just have to say, Paul was coming up with a solution for a particular problem in a particular culture in a particular church. Absolutely. That's not a universal law for the rest of us for all of eternity.
1: Right. um, I was just reading one the other day. It was about somebody explaining a certain part of a letter from Paul and how if you don't know the context to it, it's easy to say, well, no, what everyone said this meant for all these years is what it is, but it's not, it's not really what he was talking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure all the apostles agreed with each other on this stuff. They probably uh, didn't. <laughs> uh, I mean, we we see the laws of eldership that Paul passed down, and I, I was just having this conversation with somebody today, and I'm like, well, did did Peter ever start a church that looked like that? Did mm-hmm. Did James start a church that looked like that? Or was Paul saying, here's a solution to fix this particular issue. And so, I, I think if we could look at the Bible that way and say these were human beings yeah. who were just dealing with other human beings and trying to figure it out as they went along, we, we might get we might get along a little bit better with the world. I don't know. Absolutely. It's interesting. All right, I want to show one of your videos here. Right. And if I can figure out how to do Zoom and make it work. Um, but this is, uh, you know that one girl, Rachel, from TikTok. And this is a video that you say sort of explains a little bit of who you are on TikTok. So let's take a look at it here.
1: Please, please, please stop saying stuff like this. Intentions aside, it's really problematic. If this were a school and a student were telling you about their experiences there and that they were troubling, traumatic, problematic, yes, we would want them to leave that school, but would that be enough? No, we would want accountability to be taken and we would want fundamental changes to happen so that it would never happen to someone else. That is what we had to do with the American Evangelical Church because it was never about my churches that I went to. I'm not at those churches anymore, but there are fundamental problems with the whole of the American evangelical church, and they need to be fixed. And I hate to break this to you, but there are so many more unhealthy churches than healthy ones. So not fixing any problems, but just saying, go to a different church, that leaves us with broken churches and broken people. If we want healing, we have to validate experiences, and I'm not here just to validate my own. We have to be willing to do the hard work and fix the problems, and just telling someone to find a better church, that doesn't do that.
0: Wow. That's a big (laughs) statement.
1: Well, I think that that was, um, and for anyone that's listening that maybe isn't watching, on that, I was responding to a comment that said that you need to find a better church. And I think that's so easy because there are unhealthy churches. And if someone's at a church that they think is healthy, it's easy to be like, well, why don't you just leave that one and go to another one? But there are so many more broken churches than healthy churches. And so- we have to look at the whole of the big C church um, and fix the problems within that, because we want to be the church that's talked about in the scripture. We want to be, we want to be Jesus's church. And just saying, well, no, that one's messed up. Go to the next one without fixing that first one that still has people in its doors who are being hurt isn't enough for us anymore.
0: Yeah, it's it's a systemic issue. I think mm-hmm. is what you're you're hitting really well, and and I. I founded a church and led it for 10 years, and everything in me was, this is going to be different than churches I knew at growing up, but there's such a pull to the norm of what we've always known. that. I'm almost thinking like we can't we can't afford to have church within a building anymore because it just draws us to to <laughs> such a norm. Sorry, my dog is joining the podcast. That's okay.
1: We'll, mine might at some point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I mean, is that how? What would you like to see? What do we need to do to to fix it?
1: it's, you know, it's not something that can happen overnight. It's not something that just a handful of people can do. Um, but I don't know that what we as Americans view, as the American evangelicals view as church was the intended thing. We, you know, we go on Sunday mornings and we have maybe Sunday school and then you have the service and there's this whole process of each one, you know, there's worship, sung worship, and then an offering and then a message and then an invitation and that, I don't know where that all came from because it's not necessarily biblical but so now if a church doesn't do those things there's that it was a shift right if they don't do everything I remember the first church I went to that didn't have an invitation and I was like what is happening (laughs) like you had to have an invitation well I don't know where I got that from you know and so I think we have to shake it up like just shake it up from the ground up that church maybe doesn't exist wholly in a building Um, I talk a lot about that and I always try to make disclaimers that I'm not anti-church and I don't want people to not go to a church if they don't want to, but I also don't want them to feel like they have to go every Sunday morning to a church if that's not what they want to do either, because God doesn't need you in a pew or working in the nursery or doing these things that are wonderful in and of themselves, but the church is so much more than that. And they're run by people where unfortunately people are broken and so people get hurt.
0: Yeah. And, and then then the people hurt the pastor, the pastor hurts the people. It becomes a pretty ugly cycle if we're not mm-hmm. careful. But um, I, as a pastor for years, I sat in pastor meetings and we were trying to say, how do we get the people out of the church? You know, we're going to have to put dynamite under the chairs. <laughs> and then COVID hits. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Brilliant. The church is out of the building now. This is yeah. great. And so what are we doing? We're fighting to get back in, like literally fighting, right? breaking laws and all this thing, because in the end, and what worries me about it is it, it becomes a place where we go to get our needs met. And if our needs aren't being met, if the music isn't good enough or the children's program isn't taking care of our kids enough. We just go find another, and and so then the church becomes. I always wonder: did the church become con, consumer driven to draw people, or did people become consumers and force the church to become consumer consumer driven? But
1: yeah, that's a good. I think point. that's
0: part of the problem right now, don't you think? Is we're we're having to try to attract and hold people.
1: I think what you bringing up COVID is such a good point, and what the church what's hap, kind of happened the last year with people attending church because I get on Facebook and see posts from people that were fighting even just the government their local government to be able to get back into church and a lot of it was we need to be around people we need to be you know we're made to be around people it, that it's so it's so much about us then that's like the most clear revelation that that was about them they wanted to be around people they felt like they needed that and there's nothing wrong with wanting and needing community and this has been hard for everybody so i'm not dismissing that those feelings from those people but getting together as a church is the main goal is always glorifying god or should be glorifying god and it shouldn't be something that's just feeding us so did god need us to be together this last year on every sunday morning he didn't and he showed us that he didn't need that
0: yeah well, and and everybody always uses Hebrews to say, don't forsake the gathering together. And I always say, and Hebrews also says, the reason we get together is to stir one another towards love and good Absolutely. deeds. Absolutely, yes. So, it's not about coming together and getting our needs met, it's to inspire one another to, to go out and, and be a positive impact on the world, right? Right, right. So, hope you're enjoying this conversation with, you know that one girl, Rachel. She's pretty awesome, and she has a great story to tell, and one that I think you're going to continue to relate to as you continue to listen to this podcast. But I told you I wanted to tell you about my book and the audiobook version that you get if you join our Patreon community. The novel is called Joseph Comes to Town. I was thinking about writing a book for years about what Jesus would say if he could speak to the American partisan right-wing evangelical church today. And I got the crazy idea, let's do it as a parable. I love to write modern day parables. And so this novel is a parable of who Jesus would be and what Jesus would say to the American evangelical right-wing church if he were on earth in the flesh today. It's a story of a young man named Joseph, a mysterious character who shows up in a very conservative evangelical town and begins to critique this conservative evangelical mindset. And as you may imagine, that doesn't go over well with conservative evangelicals. And the question I always asked, thinking about this parable was, if Jesus were on earth in the flesh again today, would he be crucified by the religious people all over again? You'll have to read the book to find out the answer to that question, or you can listen to it in the audiobook version that we put out in segments on our Patreon page. If you go to my website, pastor-paul.com, which will take you to the podcast website, click on that Join My Patreon community in the upper right-hand corner, you'll have access to the audiobook right away for joining at only $5.99 a month. You can join at a higher level to get an autographed copy of my book, the paperback version, or even higher if you want to do some one-on-ones with me. You can check all that information out there yourself. And if you're on a device, for some reason that button doesn't show up, so if you're using your iPhone or iPad, go directly to the Patreon community at patreon.com slash NPE Podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot slash npe podcast nonpartisan evangelical npe podcast let me tell that to you one more time patreon.com slash npe podcast i will be ever grateful for your help in financially promoting the message and the unique conversations of the nonpartisan evangelical podcast and of me pastor paul All right, back to the conversation with Rachel Spears. You know that one girl, Rachel, on TikTok, here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at pastor-paul.com. I did a TikTok the other day where I I told a guy to take his Bible and shove it up his ass.
1: I saw that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I've had a couple of people like, do you think that's really Christ-like? And I'm like, yeah, I actually think the speck in your brother's eye, plank in your own eye, was him saying, "Shove it up your ass." So mm-hmm. I, there you go. <laughs> uh, every once in a while, we got to be a little sassy, right?
1: Right, we're human beings too. So
0: yeah, and so I think mocking that that religious spirit is is there sometimes. <laughs> so I want to uh, talk about on your journey, mm-hmm. and one of the things you talk about now, and really is. One of the things I love about TikTok is finding people like you, uh, Rev Carla, we did a podcast with the other day, if you know her, and, and, and April and Jeremy and the guys I'm doing evangelicalish with, we're finding each other and we're all telling the same story. And I think it's so affirming that we're on this journey and, and the affirmation is A, that it's okay, but B, like, we need to heal like there's healing that needs to take place from what we've been through and mm-hmm. and you use this term religious trauma i've heard it from a few other people so talk about what does that healing process look like and and why do we need to be healed i guess
1: well, i it's hard. Healing from anything is hard, right? Um, healing from any kind of trauma. And so with, with church trauma, the first step is the same step would be with anything else you're healing from, and that's honesty. And that's kind of the part where you mentioned earlier that I get pushed back, and I think that what people seem to not like is that I choose to be pretty honest about the problems and they think that that's bashing or just whining or complaining, but you can't actually have any healing without being honest. And also, that's where community is built because when I first started to question and resist, it was easy for me to be like, well, I'm probably just wrong because it's just me. And then I decided I wasn't wrong, but then I'm out on an island and I'm by myself. And so, I maybe it would have looked different if COVID hadn't happened a year into like my journey, but it did. So, then it was about two years of feeling like I was on an island away from other believers. And so, finding something as silly as TikTok, but finding people who are at the same place as me, is like not only is that comforting, but it's also sad because it's not just me, it's a whole community of people who love Jesus and who are committed to their faith, but are feeling so disenchanted and disenfranchised, and so healing together has got to be something I think we do. But there's also, if you're broken, you can't help the person next to you, mm-hmm. or you can, but you got you got to be always working on yourself. And so, healing for me is first being really honest about um, my experiences, childhood up from the church. And really, a lot of it is finding things out about myself I didn't know. Um, I'm hearing other people share their stories and when they say something, it like clicks something in me that, oh, I didn't realize that I believed that too because of this thing that we were sold. Mm. And so, it's learning these things and finding my own role in it. Being in the ministry, I, I have to take some ownership of maybe people that I hurt along the way and the role that I played in their pain, which is really rough. It's really hard to do, but the healing journey I think is going to be different for everybody. And I'm not really sure what the end looks like because I'm still on it. Um, But I just feel like I feel very committed to maintaining my faith and to continue to be someone that shows what, who Jesus was to the world and also allows them to be free from the requirements of the of the American Church. Mm-hmm.
0: Trauma is is a big word, mm-hmm. and I, I coach with a lot of people that have suffered trauma, and sometimes it's over my pay grade. And I say, let's go get you some help that's better than me. But tra- so when you talk about trauma and religious trauma, and I don't know if you feel comfortable to share any of your personal experience, but what. Like, how can somebody know they've experienced religious trauma? What does that look like?
1: Ooh, a lot of the stories are going to be much harsher um, and stuff that may becomes more obvious as trauma to us. If we heard them share a story, like, okay, that was clearly um, something traumatic. But for me, there was no...
0: Obviously, like the sexual predator sure. issues and all of that, that's, that's obvious, yeah.
1: Those things, for sure. Uh, for me, it was nothing major like that. It was a very, very fundamental upbringing in a church. Um, it, nobody questioned anything, you just did what you were told. Um, and then going into a more laid-back um, and and kind of do-what-you-want style ministry, but at the same time being told certain things and you adhered to that or, or you were out. So, that's kind mm-hmm. of the trauma is that it, it's, here, let me sell you this, community and these friendships and these people that love you, but when you push back on it, you're done. And that's, tra- it is traumatizing because uh-huh. for me, I built my whole life around it. The church that I was at in my adulthood, I was, I was actually blogging this earlier, so I was a worship leader, but I was also, I worked with the kids and I went to camp and I led worship for the kids and I planned women's events and I did this and this list gets really, really long of the things I did for them. And then I pushed back, and I, I have no relationships with any of those people, except like, like maybe two. Yeah. These years later, and that's traumatic because you just have all your relationships just ripped away from you.
0: Yeah. I, I when people ask how can evangelicals buy into this political mindset and all these things, it's it is because we don't want to lose community. We we Absolutely. don't want to lose our family. Mm-hmm. And, boy, that you, you said that so well, and that because that, I, can, I can hear people saying to me, are you really hearing God? You know, do you know God? Are you going to be one of these ex-Christians? You know, all of those things. But, boy, the real trauma is, am I going to lose my status and my space and my community? Oh, my goodness, that's, yeah. that's really well said.
1: Which is what people are always terrified of doing. Yeah. You talked about the political. That's, um, I just on a TikTok the other day, I was talking about my Republican friends, and I got a lot of comments from people that don't know me. They're like, You still have Republican friends? You still? And a girl commented, and she said, And I don't know her personally, um, but she said, When the option is having conservative friends or no friends, I choose conservative friends because we would rather at least be with people, even if they weren't completely like minded didn't be by ourselves. Wow. And I found myself in that in the last few years in the church that I was already like, we didn't agree on a bunch of stuff, but I was still there and because I didn't want to be by myself. Who would? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, let me tell people the amazing thing on the other side of that is you get to be friends with people you never imagined you could be Absolutely. friends with.
1: <laughs> yeah, and They're
0: actually pretty amazing people out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think the very people that we were probably – told to stay away from, or that you are scared of, or, you know, anything, they're actually really wonderful, wonderful people.
0: I I hear Christians say, you know, I get those comments occasionally on on the TikTok page or something of, you know, people can't be good outside of knowing Jesus, and I'm just like, oh, you're just insane to say that. (laughs) Obviously, you don't know any non-Christians out there because there's incredible people out there.
1: Or that you can't be happy. Wasn't that Uh, one? Yeah, just talking about that, like, you can't be happy and- that's such a bizarre. It's if it's a tool to bring people to Jesus. It's I think it's a bizarre one to say you've never been happy before. Come, that's who says that to me? Yeah.
0: Well, I, and I just did a, a TikTok yesterday where where actually I it was quite the opposite. I, I I realized that Christian life was to not be happy mm-hmm. and to be a sinner was to be happy, but, but we would ultimately get the last laugh because we would be in heaven mocking them in hell. And so, I think some of the Christians I know are the least happy, least yeah. peaceful people I know in the world.
1: It's like this desired piety. I think everybody wants to be Job. <laughs> they do. They want to feel that affliction. Of job and
0: why? no question, we want to be oppressed. We are just so oh, excited. Yeah. <laughs> about the we we want it. Uh, I do want one of the another really interesting thing you said, talked about was losing faith because I really believe the real evil of the right wing white evangelical church, as I call it, is we're driving two generations away, mm-hmm. and and we're telling millennials and Gen Zers like you have to buy the whole bit or you have to get out and and i'm seeing a lot of millennials that say okay well i'm out if that's the yep. choice and so what i like about what you're saying and tell me more about this is you just refuse to give up your faith even as you're you're losing faith in the church that represents it
1: yeah i um i talked about this recently on a live i think where i said i after i left that church where i was serving for all those years i ended up at another church and it's a big church. And I just wanted to be somewhere kind of, I didn't want to just immediately not be church. That I felt like I couldn't again, like I just t- talked about, be by myself. And um, I remember being at a service and this pastor said one thing I didn't like. And afterwards, I'm talking about it and I felt such freedom that I didn't like something he said. And that's okay. Because I think that these, you know, smaller churches or churches where you have a more intimate relationship, and you feel like you can't question anything. And I felt like I could do that. Where I'm like, okay, I like everything else the church is doing. I didn't really like that one thing you said, and that's fine. I think all too often that's not fine. And we have churches where you are, like you said, you have to buy into everything or you're out, um, which I don't think is biblical or scriptural anyway. But (laughs) um, for me, it, my faith is so personal, and I can't explain it. I. I've gone through a whole lot in my life and I've never felt abandoned by Jesus. And I I actually feel very privileged to have not struggled that way. I feel like I've lost a lot of things. And again, I've I've been at odds with the church many, many times and felt abandoned in that way. But I've always had a very, I think, sweet spirit when it came to my relationship with Christ. And so I have always prioritized that. And for me to get to where I was, I think within the last couple of years of being like, maybe this isn't even worth it. I had this moment like these people are about to drive me away from something I love so dearly and I'm not going to let them. So I think it was a little bit of me being spiteful and that I will not let these people take this away from me the way I've watched them take it away from so many other people. I'm a older millennial, elder millennials out there calls and in my uh, friend group that I have, I, I bet there's like three Christians and we all started out the same way. And so, I've watched what the church has done to a lot of my friends who just are like, it wasn't worth it to them. And so, I want to show people that it, it can be worth it to hang on and that there is, there is a community of people for you.
0: Hmm. Well, That's good. And so, what does faith slash church slash spirituality look like for you now
1: well i don't go to church and that's normally like the first thing that i think people are like that you know that are that life and the life that i knew i think you know people know my mom like my mom and dad they're like their kids don't go to church (laughs) you know like that kind of scene they talk about that i don't the church that I there is a church i'm involved with and it's the same one that i started going to when i left the one i served at and they are um The best example I think I've ever seen in person of a church that puts their money where their mouth is when it comes to service. They are the most service-oriented church I've been around. And so, I serve through them and I do, well, pre-COVID and then some things post. um, uh, And I've served with them through that, but I don't go to church on Sunday mornings because I don't think for me that it's important to. I started to experience God in ways I never had. Outside of a Sunday morning, and so for me, I think I would be going backwards to go back to that life where I was doing a routine of leading worship or working with the kids, or and just doing this routine that had nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with me. And I know that that's not everyone's experience with church. And I, there are a lot of people that are having experiences with God every week and who are reaching their communities. And so I don't want to come across like I don't want people to go to church. (laughs) For me, it just was, I was finding these moments outside of that and where I was experiencing what I felt like was a more pure and honest version of my faith outside of that. And so, I... You know, I still, being a worship leader, not being able to, to sing was hard, and so, I sit at my piano, and I, I do that sometimes, and I still try to, I study, and I read a lot of books, I listen to some messages online, podcasts, like yours, and other things like that. Um, but right now, my community is pretty much virtual, and that is one thing I'd like to change, but also, that's just with COVID and yeah. being safe, so…
0: Some of that is where it is, but I, I've been—I posted something the other day about church being online, and and you know, and immediately I get a whole bunch of boomers and Xers. You know, no, there's just nothing that can replace getting a hug on Sunday morning, yes. and 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 I get that, I get, and it and it's generational, and it's okay, mm-hmm. but I was trying to say to these people, like, but for these generations now it is real you're, mm-hmm. you're you're missing the point that online relationships are intimate and do mean something and and can be really fruitful and so i don't i don't want us to miss the season just because as somebody who's right on the line between boomer and Xer mm-hmm. i really enjoyed you know sitting in the pews and having a a, a really good worship service um, because i do think that God is doing something new in the season yeah. and if we if we want to stick to that old comfort we'll miss it
1: well, and I think it's important, no matter what line you're on or what side you're on of the line, to not be so sure of yourself that you're immovable, even if you're on yeah. this side, because I, people ask, you know, on TikTok, do you go to church? And I addressed that I didn't, but I said on the video, I'm not saying you'll never see me in a church service, right. um, because there is something really sweet about it. And I will probably find myself in a worship service again, because it's meaningful to me. It's just not where I think... I can do the most for the kingdom. That's the difference I've found.
0: I think that's really good. And of course, we all feel like we have to say, of course, there are good things happening in churches on Sunday morning. And and I think when Jesus was on earth, there were good people doing good things in the religious system. But what he was talking about is, and I think I heard you say this at the start of all of this, the system is a problem. Mm -hmm. We've, We've got to get rid of the system. And so, he was very, very, very negative about the system. So, I think we can say, Hey, the 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 evangelical system and maybe the Christian American system altogether needs to change and and give the caveat that of course there are still some nice things happening in the middle of it all. But sure. But something's got to change.
1: It does. And I think that the deep entwinement, is that the word with politics is Ugh. is the main thing. You can trace back and I don't I wasn't around for it, but I don't know what the church looked like pre-Reagan. I've only been around. Reagan on, but it's been so deeply immersed since I was a child. And that's maybe one of the things too that as I got older and my opinions on things started to change that I started seeing that. And that is maybe the very first fundamental problem that we need to address is that as long as the American evangelical church has chosen to get in bed with the Republican Party, there's going to be a problem.
0: And the crazy thing about it is you you can't even Begin to support that with the Bible. There, there is like not only are there just a few, there are like no verses that support. <laughs> it. <know. laughs> no, Jesus they're, talked about taxes twice, yeah. and not, neither of those give us any indication that he would have the right wing stance on taxes.
1: Right. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so uh, maybe reading the Bible would be helpful.
1: That might be the first thing we do. <laughs> maybe well, that.
0: What do you, what do you want to see happen with? your social media presence, your voice is growing out there, your stuff is amazing, you're going to be doing a podcast. What is your hope to accomplish with all of this?
1: My hope would just be to be able to be a voice for people who are in this awkward state where they maybe, and and for me, I, I talk obviously that I still have my faith, but my place is for people who don't anymore as well. This is for people who are still believers, people that are believers hanging on by a thread, and people that are believers no more. And I want to be a place where they can do some healing right alongside me. I'm not going to say everything right every time. I'm going to mess up sometimes because I'm still in that messy place myself, but I'm trying to heal because my goal for myself is to find a community where I am serving the people around me where I am growing in my faith, and I am sharing that faith. And so, I know that sounds a lot like a church. (laughs) And so, maybe it's a new version of a church, and I think that's the goal. But I just want people to not feel alone. So, if I had found someone like me on a a blog or podcast two years ago, I might not have had to feel quite as alone as I did. And so, even if it's just a voice coming through their phone that they just see like, okay, other people have walked this or are walking this. And it's not wrong. I'm not on the wrong side of things, just because everyone at the church I left said that I was. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I, I love that you're doing that. And and I think there have been some really important voices that have, have gone ahead of us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That were, and and so, you just remind me of Rachel Held Evans. I don't know how much you know about… about.
1: Oh, yeah, I miss yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's too bad we lost her, but I know.
1: So young. But, but her book Searching for Sunday yeah. was like the first book that really made me feel like I wasn't crazy.
0: Life-changing, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah, tell people again that book in case they didn't hear what you said.
1: Uh Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans. It's incredible. She took a I think it was a year of not being churched in a traditional church and just her her uh navigating through that was just so healing for me to read
0: reading uh, her line from that book where they told the pastor they were leaving the church and driving away. And she says, who's going to bring us casseroles when we have a baby? And I thought <laughs> that is, that's the powerful statement right there. It we, is. We stay for the casseroles.
1: Oh yeah. And they're not even that good, but we do just. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's not the casseroles. It's the people coming it's over the and
1: bringing. <laughs> coming for sure. And that is something that I, I've talked a little bit on my TikToks about I got to experience all of that. You know, we, being in such a big church, my family went through some things in the 90s and I have vivid memories of, of the people from the church showing up for us um, and then some stuff later on. And so, losing that is is hard. And so, as much as I feel like I'm on the right side and I'm doing what's right for me, it's a, I'm allowed to be sad and that's one thing i would want people to know during their healing process is like it is not that you have to hate that or hate them and just turn from that with a hardened heart like you can miss those things even if it wasn't right for you because it was joyful and you had a, and you had a good time and and people met your needs and you're allowed to miss that even though you don't want to go back to it yeah yeah yeah
0: mourning is really an important thing, and okay. recognizing what we've lost.
1: Absolutely, because like we just said before, obviously, it's not every church and every person, so there's good that you're allowed to acknowledge the good in something that hurt you.
0: Well, that's good, and I I love your message, and I think with your background and your history and your excellence in in what you do and your creativeness, I just think you have a really important voice you're bringing, and so I'm I'm glad to be able yeah. to let our audience know what you're doing and so everybody go check her out you know that one girl Rachel and the podcast is going to be the recovering evangelical is that right
1: yes I'm so yeah, excited. that's good
0: and I love that we're all finding each other and able to affirm and so yeah my my wife and I just are aware of what you're doing and so we just affirm you and say go for it and and change the world because I think you're a world changer
1: oh thank you that's very nice
0: Awesome. All right, Rachel Spears, the Recovering Evangelical. You know that one girl, Rachel. Uh, and that's the website too, right, Rachel?
1: Yes, it's getting ready to launch. I've I got some blog posts ready to go so that right when it launches, which is probably going to be next week, there's going to be all the blogs so that you can go back and read those.
0: Okay. And it's R A C H E L because I yes, made that mistake Yes, like Right from the Bible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: thanks for having this conversation with me. We'll have to uh, continue me. it again soon.
1: I would love that. Thank you so much for having me.